Rodeo Rock Radio. Benny Paulson saddled up riding solo today in the T2 Ranch Studios. Gus Kronberg is not in studio, but we are going to catch up with him in the field. We're going to get a field report on location. Hopefully, hopefully he's got a weather report planned as well. Because uh, when you're on location, you got to have a weather report. We are getting towards the end of July, and uh, the weather's beautiful. we got a lot to get to on the program. We're going to finish up our interview with Mr. Kelly Armstrong, North Dakota's representative to the House of Representatives, Congressman Kelly Armstrong. If you didn't catch the last episode of Rodeo Rock Radio, you need to check that out because we did the first part of Kelly's interview, kind of got to know him. Today... It's going to be a little more serious. We're going to talk about things like the beef packers, uh, litigation against these big four beef packers. Um, We're going to get into some politely controversial political conversation with one of the smartest politicians of all time. My good friend Kelly Armstrong, we're going to be talking about things like media, farm subsidies, of course the DAPL pipeline, oil business. Even law enforcement. We're going to pick his brain. It's awesome. Looking forward to that. Um, We're going to get to breaking a report, rodeo report. But first of all, let's catch up with Mr. Kronberg. Gus, in the field, are you with us? I am. How's it going, Benny? Pretty good. Missing you, but uh, how are you doing? (laughs) Man, I'm doing good. uh, I'm obviously, I'm on the mend here from from, uh, this past weekend. I, uh, I was in Dodge. I didn't. I didn't have any rodeos booked for the for this weekend, so I went up to Dodge and, and stepped in the arena with Justin and Cody and, and fighting bulls all weekend. And um, on Sunday they had uh, they only had one bull rider entered, so they had uh, they had another kid get on for exhibition of Jesse Hicks. And, um, man, it just kind of it kind of went sour right from the get go and. Uh, his bull come out and he got, Jesse got hung to him just a little bit. And I came, I was just, th- I was the third man out. So I came all the way around and, um, say, I think I saved Justin Ward from getting mashed into the bucking shoots. But while Second doing place. that, I, yeah, while doing that, I, I picked that bull up and, and he come with me down the front of the bucking shoots. He mashed me up and you know, on, on the steel there. And, and, uh, he was, he was leaving me and he, he got one more kick in, and uh, I got uh, got got my eyebrow split open. And uh, but uh, I got eight stitches, and and uh, no concussion. They cleared me from from all the concussion issues, and so I feel good. I'm in uh, I'm in Rapid City here tonight for the third third week of the Heart Ranch Rodeo with uh, with Zane Lewis, produced by Nate Morrison. So he's I'm, uh, getting ready. In case you uh, out there are wondering what the heck Gus is talking about, Gus is a professional protection bullfighter, which means he protects, protects these dumb bull riders that need, <laughs> need protecting. Took a bad shot to the head. Didn't even get knocked out, though, did you? No, no. It's hard to knock me out. I, I uh, Shoot, I walked out of the arena on my own. and Bleeding I had, uh, everywhere? Yeah, I was, I was bleeding like a stuck hog, and I... Uh, I just got out of the arena and, and kind of dropped down to my knees and tried to keep the blood from running in my eyes. But they uh, they told me they were going to bring the ambulance over. I said, I, I, that ain't going to happen. I ain't paying that bill. So <laughs> I had uh, uh, my buddy Cody Bryant drive me into Hazen and 
get me stitched up and and it was it was a good deal i i got i got fairly lucky so do you do you got pictures on the t2 ranch life page no, no, I could stick a couple up there. You'll have to stick are... some pictures on there. I know they're all over the Gus Kronberg social media, <laughs> personal social media. So if you're if you're wondering what what not very pretty Gus looks like, go <laughs> check out them pictures. You better put one on the T Two Ranch Life Facebook page because it is <laughs> pretty is pretty grotesque. My wife took poor Gus some 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 goodies the other day, and she called me afterwards, and she says. Gus does not look good at all. <laughs> she was really I, worried about you. That that was the worst of it. That uh, yeah, it was that Monday morning, and yeah. I woke up and my eye was swollen shut, and I couldn't see anything. And I laid in bed all day and iced my eye, and it, it uh, man, I woke up yesterday and I, I could it was my my vision was uh, a little more clear, and and today my eye is. For the most part, it's open. I got a pretty sweet shiner, but that, uh, that was my next. That was my next question. Are you going to be able to fight bulls tonight? Are you going to be able to see? Is your head hurt? What <laughs> I mean, how's this going to go tonight, dude? I'm not even worried about bullfighting. I know, like Scott Allerding's the the funny man, the rodeo clown out there. He's got me and Zane doing. He doesn't act with like those beer goggles, and okay. that, like messes up your vision. And I think we're doing like a mini barrel racing competition against me and Zane against each other with these beer goggles on. I'm more worried about that. <laughs> hey, you need you need to call Sam Clifford and get Sam Clifford to step in for you. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Get Sam I am to come take your place for the barrel race. <laughs> beer goggles is just normal day for him. It's just another day for Sam I am. <laughs> Especially now that he's riding bulls again. Yeah, um, he cracked back out. Right, right. So, uh, yeah, let's. Why don't you get put him to work? He he's looking for rodeo work, anyways. <laughs> well, uh, we wish you the best at the performance tonight at the Hart Ranch in south of sure. Rapid City. Yep. The yep, Morrison the old, boys, uh, our, our buddy Nate Morrison, puts that event on. Yes, sir. Yeah, and it's a good rodeo for you. If, if anyone listening here is out in the Black Hills this summer, uh, they got a rodeo every Wednesday night through July and August. So it's uh, it's a really fun show, and there's um, a bunch of good contestants showing up every week, and and it's just a it's a fun fun run to get to. Actually, our boss lady and manager and um, internet and social media master Julie Obergewich is down there right now i don't think they're gonna make it but she's they're camping her and her family oh really yeah nice actually in hill city yesterday which you were in hill city um what 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 was going on yesterday i was so me and uh me and mr kevin holton went down there he was interviewing a a couple of guys for um for a book actually that him and i don't know i I guess i don't know exactly if he's working on it or what but uh uh, it's David for Dave Shetler, who is a yeah. a very very big uh, supporter of breaking yeah. music of our TV episodes, and just yeah. a, just a really good guy, really exciting yeah. guy. So, uh, but typically sure. Kevin Holton is putting you to work filming for our TV shows that we're involved with, Wild Rides yeah. on the Cowboy Channel or Special Cowboy Moments on RFD TV, and uh, he's yeah. looking forward to getting you getting you to work more filming lots of those episodes so keep everybody stay posted to the cowboy channel for the handy work of hooked up enterprises and gus (laughs) Kronberg. heck yeah yeah it's been a blast see uh i I got to learn i got to sit and watch kevin work and interview those guys and it was it was a pretty cool experience they were 
he was he was interviewing a couple guys that uh, are basically one of them was ex Amish and um, went out on his own at uh, I don't know 17 18 years old and um, has a very very successful roofing company right now out in Pennsylvania and um, the other guy was uh, um, basically started buying up houses at an early age at like 20 and started flipping them and um, and uh, I think he has a construction business too but just just a couple of hard working uh, good old boys from Pennsylvania that I mean they work and and it uh, they become very successful doing it so it was it was pretty cool to listen to right on there they're good dudes and hard-working fellas and good good guys to be around too that's for sure yeah very cool very cool what what's the weather like i mean when you're giving a field oh, report dude. you have to report on the weather dude I, it's freaking hot out here today i tell you what it was uh is that technical 90- uh, is that technical <laughs> meteorologist like, i don't hear that on the weather channel often <laughs> well it's freaking scorcher uh <laughs> that's no, more like it <laughs> it's uh man it's 92 degrees here today and it's it's sunny the sun's shining got a nice little uh breeze rolling through town and i'm I'm actually parked uh, with my laptop out here down, um, kind of downtown Rapid City, but I'm, I'm at a little park here and there's, there's a big, uh, I think it's called Rapid, I don't, I don't know what the river is, but there's a river that runs through the whole town of Rapid City and I'm going to, I'm going to jump in, in the river for a little bit after we're done here, but mm-hmm. it's, uh, man, it's a hot one. Nice. So. That's a, that's a riveting report. Is there any tornadoes or hurricanes? No, um, oh, thank the Lord. No, no hurricanes. I mean, but it is South Dakota, and that can change in about yeah. forty-five minutes. So. Well, just watch out for them, just in case. I will. I will I'll keep my eye out. Yeah. <laughs> rule, rule number five: safety first. That's right. Let's That's uh, right. let's get to that rodeo report. Uh, we're, we're just kind of a quick condensed. You got any? You got anything put together for a rodeo report? Um, not a whole lot. I know. Uh, um, locally. Um, on Saturday, Bailey Pro Rodeo is putting on a rodeo in Fezzedin. Um, and I believe that's an NDRA. Um, and then um, actually just up the road from where I'm at right now, Deadwood has their pro rodeo this weekend. One of the um, best rodeos of uh, all time in the world. Dude, it's awesome. And I would, it ain't raining yet, but I would expect it to start raining any time now. That one I've, usually gets a ton of rain. I rode at the Deadwood Rodeo many, many times, and I'd say 63% of the time it didn't rain. <laughs> really? Yeah. I don't know why everybody says it always rains at Deadwood. I think it's just memorable because most of the time it was perfect conditions, almost too hot sometimes. Yeah. yeah but, I believe wow, that. what a beautiful location. The They got old school looking wooden chutes. And yeah. It's, oh, yeah, I miss it's that awesome. rodeo so bad. Yeah. And me being like a, a history buff, the uh, the museum there is hard on. I mean, it is awesome. If if uh, if you get the chance, have you have you ever been inside there? You ever I have not. That out? I have dude, not. you gotta, dude. I'm telling you. Yeah. Got to get. You got to get there. It's awesome. It's one of the things like we talked about last week. I mean, yeah. I rodeoed. I I was I walked by that museum twenty times in my life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've basically yeah. lived in Deadwood for weeks at a time. Um, oh, doing what? I just rodeo and there was we used to have the circuit oh. finals there. I'd just go stay there. I mean, they'd put me up in the just give me rooms at the casinos and I mean it was it was it was awesome. I just loved it there. 
and yeah. just such a cool place. And, and I think it's the Days of 76 is what the yep. event is called, and that refers back to some historical um, gold mining times, right? Yep. Yep. And a funny story, um, a couple of years ago when Brent and I were living together, we lived um, in St. Ange, South Dakota, which is, uh, as the crow flies, probably 10 miles north of mm-hmm. Deadwood. So we got to spend a lot of time there and uh, find some trouble to get into in Deadwood. So No, <laughs> don't believe that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get, uh, let's get some of that rodeo report, man. Yeah, so we'll get into the world standings here. Um, and the all-around, it's uh, it's back to Tough Cooper. Or no, yeah, still Tough Cooper. That switched last week. Mm-hmm. Um, in the bareback riding, it's Tim O'Connell. In the steer wrestling, Matt Reeves. Um, team roping on the heading side is Luke Brown. In the healing, it's Joseph Harrison. Uh, saddle bronc is Wyatt Gasper still. Tie down roping, Shad Mayfield, no surprise. What's the, what's um, the, do you got the split there? Between one no, and two? No, I, I don't. It is it is getting fairly close, though. Well, like, like less than $100,000 difference? Oh, or? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's riveting. Pretty, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's going to be a nail-biter this year. Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> um, and the steer opening is Trevor Brazil. The bull riding, Sage Kimsey. The barrel racing is Wenda Johnson. And in the breakaway is Katie Mundorf. Good stuff. You can see... Almost all of the pro rodeos anymore on the Cowboy Channel every night. They're yep. doing something rodeo related, so tune into the Cowboy Channel. If you don't have it, you yeah. can get the Cowboy Channel Plus app. It is available everywhere. The Cowboy Channel has all kinds of everything you want to know rodeo related. Plus, you get to see our show Wild Rides on there all the time, which mixes it up and gets a little bit of that history involved too. Good stuff. What else <laughs> you got, Gus? Man, that's all I got for this week. I'm uh. I'm going to get geared up here. i got to be at the arena in a couple hours. I'm going to jump in the river and cool off before uh, before rodeo time. Right on. Um, you have to tell our man, Nate Morrison, howdy. I will. And, uh, sure will. I'll give, him, I'll, give him, I'll give him the Benny Paulson best. Yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> I appreciate that. That's a, that's a little pat on the butt. Heck yeah. Make sure he does. Uh, dude, I should tell you, I should tell you in the road report, um, just that, uh, I, uh, I stayed in a hotel last night that was on the east side of rapid. And if you know the, the, the geography of rapid city, the east side of rapid is where like the shootings happen. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I stayed in a hotel room last night that like kind of scared me. <laughs> there was, um, I jumped in the shower this morning and uh there's a couple cockroaches on my floor and so i wasted no time getting out of there this morning nice <laughs> so, and it wasn't the stupid thing was it wasn't a cheap hotel either so hmm. well anyway glad you, glad you survived yeah if you're staying in rapid anytime soon find uh find a good hotel on the west side <laughs> there's no shortage there's no shortage of good hotels in rapid no. city no Hey, I'll give you a quick T2 Ranch report since you're yeah. on the road and gone. And yeah, you know, we we have to give a T2 Ranch report. Not a lot going Absolutely. on. But you remember that gate that I had to build that you didn't help me with a couple weeks ago? Oh, yeah. I just this morning got done rotating the big bunch of cows two pastures mm-hmm. away. And all because I built that conveniently placed gate. I moved them really quick and oh. easy uh by myself it was it was great so oh, we, wow. uh, 
just started the second rotation of our twice over grazing system this morning oh yeah so we're Um, underway the second half of the summer is here did uh did justin get out there to trim trim that burrow he did yeah he was here our uh our other correspondent justin ward he was here yesterday morning got got all the horses um over here trimmed but he didn't get to the paint and the little forest come on well he was training in callum blankenship and it it just took a little more time and they had to get he had to get up to our photographer mary voigt to get her horses done and you know mary yeah yeah she she expects things done on time so justin's coming back next tuesday and we're probably gonna buck some bulls sweet we're gonna have the dummy back did, maybe, uh, maybe. Did if not, we'll call listen- Coleman and see because he's a dummy. <laughs> you better give our listeners the lowdown on that dummy. Um, so I got a call from uh, Bucking Bull Pro, my buddy Lance Bloyd, who very apologetic. It was a uh, manufacturing flaw in the in the casing of the dummy. So we got our brand new dummy the other day, and it wouldn't work, and it was because his machine shop screwed up cutting the slats in the side. So oh. we were not crazy because me and Gus sat there for a half hour trying to figure out this very simple thing the other day. And he, he calls yesterday. He said, you guys ain't crazy. It was a manufacturing flaw. Very sorry. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, good. Glad we're not crazy yeah. or stupid. <laughs> so yeah. uh, it'll be back crazy. next week. We'll be bucking bulls in the brand new T2 arena. And it's going to be yeah. awesome. I love it. It'll be fun. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's keep moving, Gus. I'm going to let you go. Good luck bullfighting. Take care Alrighty. of that face. And I will. Thank we'll you. <laughs> see you when you get back to the ranch. Sounds good, sir. All right, later, man. Bye. Gus Cronenberg, everybody. Um, wish him well. All right, we're going to get to Kelly Armstrong pretty quick. A quick shout-out to some of our sponsors and collaborative partners like Dickinson State University Rodeo Team. It is crazily and scary enough almost, almost rodeo season again. Uh, college rodeo season. We don't even know what's going on. But if you are a... Young person looking for a college rodeo program, DSU Bluehawks have a great one. And uh, it sounds like we're going to be rodeoing. Don't know for sure. Also, Project Canine, as always. And Benny Paulson Bucking Bulls, who is just about ready to start bucking bulls. Very cool. And my partner, Peyton Jurdy, part of Ziona Road Band, is playing our first on first event this week, too. Very exciting. Um, Wild Rods on Cowboy Channel, which we talked about, and of course, Hooked Up Enterprises, that'd be Gus's, Gus's business, they do a lot of awesome stuff. Um, quick breaking eight report before we roll into the Kelly Armstrong, um, to finish off his interview, we got some big events coming up, well, actually mostly just one, is all we're hanging in there with, the Fallon County Fair in Baker, Montana, August 15th, we are headlining that concert, it's going to be fantastic, we're going to be bringing in Another opening act to be announced next week. Should be fun. Otherwise, we are starting to write new music, working on collaborations, trying to struggle through the tough times. All right, everybody. We're going to play a song. Speaking of Breaking 8, speaking of Gus Cronberg, you can find this music video on Breaking8.com or our social media. And then, right after this, Kelly Armstrong, we're going to pick up in the middle of that interview. Here's Still Around, right back. I got the band all loaded down. 
Hello, my name is Jason Johnson, founder of Project Canine Hero. We are honored to be partnered with Rodeo Rock Radio, who supports our mission in taking care of police canines and military working dogs with medical care, food, and death benefit assistance in their retirement. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Project Canine Hero, or check out our website at projectcaninehero.org to learn more about our goal of protecting those who protected us. Catching up in the middle. Picking up in the middle of our conversation with Kelly Armstrong, we will find ourselves talking about 
the Beef Packers and Meat Processing Facility. Uh, we've been reporting here on the Rodeo Rock Radio program almost every week about the Packers. You know, there's been some litigation brought up to them, a lot of people complaining about them. Uh, I haven't checked for a while. No, no action that I know of has been taking place. I know there's lawsuits brought against some of them, correct? Well, yeah, there's lawsuits. You know, those chicken guys got indicted. That's a pretty, I mean, that's not beef packers issue, but DOJ actually just issued four subpoenas to the four major packers in an antitrust investigation. Now, most of the people you know who are doing, working in the, working, working cows all over the country think that's probably about a decade too late. But Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's good that they have done that. At the same time, there's three or four bills floating around in the U.S. House of Representatives. One's called the Prime Act. Um, Senator Kramer and Senator Hoven are on the Republican side of that. I led a group of all the Republican members of the Antitrust Subcommittee and Judiciary because that's a committee I'm on. And we submitted a letter to USDA about the market barriers that exist because of regulation and things things that impede small producers, small people to get into that market and allow them the four major companies to um, essentially exclude everybody else. I think that's one of the big differences we forget in all business. Being pro-business and being pro-big business are not always the same thing. Mm-hmm. Really large business doesn't mind doesn't mind regulation. They'll learn how to deal with it. They have a team of lawyers. They have a team of accountants. They'll figure it out. And the cost increase they have from regulation, they make up in market share because it's very difficult for smaller competitors to get in that market. Why that matters to the cattle producers in North Dakota is because if you only have four customers and we've seen what even before covid right there was a fire that shut down maybe a third of one plant in kansas city Mm -hmm. and the market just went crazy and box the differential between live weight and box box beef was just it i mean just absolutely abhorrent that and combined with you know brazilian imports kenyan imports how we do some of these trade deals uh we're really working towards it i i can tell you i started on it right away when i got to congress it was a pretty lonely place to be uh, that was could, when prices were good, so there wasn't a lot of yeah. But activity. no, I, I mean, it's you have four major, major companies that have an influence in a lot of different places. COVID and the disruption we've seen, you know, where people are culling animals and shelves are empty. That shows you exactly where the problem is, and and try and figure out how we can deal with some of those supply chain issues. So I'm a little optimistic that we actually have more members of Congress on both sides of the aisle looking at this issue and saying, "Hey, this is serious." and we need to deal with it and we do because we i mean we i mean for whatever great things those stores do and the packers do they don't produce any of this stuff they don't do anything to feed people they don't do those things this if we can't allow our producers to make a living then we are going to get rid of some of the best high quality beef in the history of the world and deal with imports from people who don't have our safety regulations our safety regimes who don't have don't care as much about the quality of what they're bringing in and more importantly you know this as well as i do out here it's a way of life it's it's more than an economy it is actually a way of life not just for a particular person, but the entire communities out here. For sure. So um, there's a lot more Gus Kronberg in the house. Just walked in yeah. late. Hey, what's up, Gus? Um, so how much? So there's there's talk of smaller packing plants open up. Yeah. Um, how much regulation are you proposing or is needed to fix the monopoly type or the, the big four? And how much would the free market and capitalism 
take care of itself down so, the road. So first of it, all, some of it is deal with the regulations so you can go farm to table, right? Allow state inspectors to inspect meat that can cross state lines. Do some things like Wyoming has done, and that will help increase a lot of those things. Uh, the second thing, DOJ is an antitrust investigation. Like I said, subpoenas were issued. That doesn't mean they're going to come out with a ruling that says something is wrong either. I mean, just because, I mean, this is the lawyer in me that says that's the start of something. Not to mention... Um, antitrust investigations are long drawn out slogs and it's been a long time in way more functioning congresses than this congress before the congress has actually stepped in and broke up companies so that's why i'm trying to target some of the things i'm targeting because i want to see more immediate relief i think we should be doing all of these things benny and we should be coming at it from everywhere and i think we should also be putting pressure on the usda and sunny purdue and these guys to be asking the doj to come in on that side as well but my goal from where I sit and I can control some of this stuff. Now I'm in the minority in the house, so I can't control a lot, but we have a certain avenue in antitrust that we can come after these guys and see if we can find some. So there's no silver bullet here. There's just not, but there are ways in which we can increase market competition and allow, and allow for our producers to have more options for how they sell their beef. And if nothing else, maybe it's just some dead gum accountability on their part. Yeah, that's one, that's one of the problems when you get multiple agencies involved. You'd think more than if you have three agencies involved, they'll all take accountability. Well, they don't. They all say they, I mean, it's a triangulation effect, and it's 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 a tactic that's been used in the art of war forever, and they use it in the art of bureaucracy better than they ever used it in the art of war. So we keep the pressure on. We keep dealing with it, whether it's imports, whether it's USDA, whether it's DOJ, or whether it's the antitrust subcommittee in Congress. We work on this issue. Every single day, I will tell you, I've been frustrated in 18 months how little results we tend to get. But you know me. I'll keep running into brick walls. When I slow down, that's when it's time to quit. Nice. Very nice. Well, we appreciate appreciate you working for us. Um, there's been some stimulus payments. Uh, anything new on those to ranchers that you know of? Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's, I mean, you can start, for, you can start with the trade mitigation programs that ran under the Trump administration or that have run under the, you know, the, the, the trade resets, trade wars we had with China and all of those things. I think I think everybody would agree we haven't done a, I mean, I think the PPP program and how we've come out with this all in all, I mean, you can talk to small businesses all over the state has worked probably as well as anybody would have expected it to work, if not exceeded expectations, given what COVID is and how it existed. I think everybody would agree we've we still haven't figured out how farming and ranching fits properly into that. Some of that is we have to wait till harvest. Some of that is we didn't really start at zero. It wasn't a great year last year. It wasn't a great year before that. But more importantly, particularly in a state like North Dakota, where we don't have corporate farming, we don't have those issues, how we get that to work right and continue to move forward with that is still something we're working on every day. And we should, because, but I, I mean, most of our egg producers know how federal programs work, whether it's crop insurance. I mean, they're all different kinds of different things. Soil bank, we do a lot of those different things. But it's just a very unique business to try and fit into some of these old former SBA programs. And farmers and ranchers are usually comfortable with other federal programs. So we're still working on that. We, we got to continue to work forward on it because it's really important. There's so many variables involved, mm. so price differences, costs, input costs, weather. I mean, how, it's got to be so hard and frustrating how, to pinpoint. Yeah, and it's very different in Indiana or Iowa than right. it is in North Dakota. I mean, and it's different based. I mean, so I mean, the way we do crop insurance, the way we do some of these payments is different between Benz, Benson County and Ramsey County. And that's why you've always heard, I mean, we've always heard this. Farmers don't want subsidies. They want markets. Yeah. And we know that. 
But also, you know, we're going to have an evolution here. If we can grow corn in Reeder, North Dakota, they're going to be able to grow corn in Russia. We know that. And they steal our GMO and they steal all of those things. And it's very difficult to enforce that. So as farmers are some of the most technologically advanced businessmen in the world, um, we do this stuff well. But we have to create a scenario where margins are, you know, inputs don't keep going up and margins keep getting smaller and smaller. Or we're just going to chase the best food producers in the history of, wor- in the, of the world out of this industry. And that's not good for North Dakota. And that's not good for the United States. And quite frankly, it's not good for the world. That brings me a, another question that a lot of people, I think, and uh, our listener base is really, really uh, vast. We got music, rodeo, ranching. We got a lot of different people. So I, I want to explain. This I can talk about music and ranching. Rodeo, I don't know a lot about other than I've, I've been to a couple and I think they're a lot of fun. <laughs> All right, we'll save that. We'll save that for the... For the road, r- rodeo Although I do have a story about Vegas when I convinced everybody I was a professional rodeo clown. Really? Uh, yeah, that was a fun story. Gus is a professional rodeo clown. When we were in college, we used to go to Vegas and some of our friends when we were bored because we didn't have enough money to be in Vegas. You know, I mean, everybody knows how that works. So we'd always like try and figure out a job that we could convince a bunch of people we did that they wouldn't know enough about to know we didn't do it. And I convinced an entire group of people in a, in a casino bar one time that I was a professional rodeo clown. So that nice. was kind of fun. I believe you did a good job convincing them too yeah (laughs) um one thing some people are convinced of is that farm payments uh farm subsidies are like welfare and uh just so my understanding of that and the way i describe it is it's not as as far as the farm bill as far as the farm program as far as from a government viewpoint the purpose of it is to maintain a consistent and stable food supply so that we're not running out of food one day or got too much the other day you know, it's just stability. Is that correct? Yeah, and price stability. I, I, well, right. I'll ask you a question. You ever met a farmer who farms for crop insurance? Um, I don't and if you have, have they been in business very long? No. I so guess. don't tell me it's a subsidy. Uh, and there are problems with the crop insurance program, mostly waste, fraud, and abuse. I mean, yep. we could solve those without getting rid of the program. There's but here's the other people. answer. You talk about, I talked about opening up markets, but here's the reality of how Washington, D.C. and politics works. You're not going to see $8 loaves of bread in a store in New York City, and you're not going to see a $10 gallon of milk. Mm-hmm. While we're in a commodity-based economy when you're dealing in the egg sector, just like the energy sector. But the difference between the egg sector and the energy sector is government has very specific reasons why they want a stable, and a stable, stable both in supply and price, food supply. And so if everybody, I mean, if we open the world up to absolutely free markets and allowed our farmers to not have any of those guardrails in place, I think they'd take that over every government program. But they also recognize we don't want poor kids not being able to drink milk in an inner city. We don't want people not being able to eat food because it's so expensive. So our farmers don't operate in a true free market. And there's actually good reasons why they don't. Mm -hmm. So anybody who wants to talk about these payments as, as subsidies should come spend two weeks out here. We'll send them with me for two days, and we'll send them with you for 12, and then we'll we'll send them back and see what they f- think about that. That's a good idea because you see the you see the variables and the instability in the producer side from weather. Um, you know, it, it you can have the best crop in the world one, and in 20 minutes a hailstorm comes through and totally wipes out everything, and you have 200 dollars an acre input costs or whatever. Now that if you don't have something. That causes you to go out of business. Now you got some big corporate agency or something buying up your land, and pretty quick it it's all falling apart. That's so exactly that right. stability. Everything falls apart, and it it works great. And there's a reason there's a government backstop to the insurance. is pretty simple. 
Uh, we have the greatest producers in the history of the world. I said that earlier, but there's not a lot of them when you look at an insurance pool. And right? going down. So yeah. if there isn't a government program, the, the, the people who are participating in farming can't afford, can't afford to supply the cost of what that insurance costs, which means you end up, you, if you don't have that program and you have that hailstorm come through, you have nothing at $200 inputs. That happens three years in a row. And I mean, two years in a row, depending on what prices are. I mean, you know, even when things are good, we know people who do a pretty good job of this that are fighting year in and year out, particularly, I mean, out here. And you don't have these programs that exist. By the way, we don't want people to have to pay $10 for a gallon of milk. We no, don't. That's don't the whole it. purpose. I don't want it. That's Nobody the whole purpose of this. So maybe we should talk about these programs as to what they are. And they are uh, part of the whole overall prop where the United States is the only country in the world that's both food and energy secure. Yes, That is a tremendous strategic advantage for us, and we do both of those things really well in North Dakota, and we should be proud that we're a big part of that. We should never apologize for those things. No, that's the number one thing of the farm bill and farm payments is what you just said, consumer stability or just stability. So here, is this statement true or false? Um, The American consumer, non-farm, the American consumer citizen benefits more from farm payments than actual farmers do. Absolutely. True. 100%. Yep. I mean, and so, by the way, not just Americans. People all over the world. I oh. mean, we I mean, we I mean, <laughs> we have an internet, I mean, we trade grain with Canada, they trade grain with us, but I mean, the industries that North Dakota is proud of has lifted more people out of poverty than any than any other two industries combined, wow. and we should recognize that, and we should be proud of that. Bold statement, Cotton. Yeah. Bold statement. But yeah, except it's true. It's true. I, yeah. I agree 100%. And that's why I get so fired up when I see or hear people cussing farmers for getting free money or being on welfare when these people have never tried to fix a tractor or raise a crop or raise cattle. They don't know. They don't know the purpose of it, but they're pretty quick to to throw stones at, at a producer who's busting his butt all the time. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it doesn't matter if it's a nice, I mean, combines or all of that stuff. I mean, this equipment is not for fun. Um, you can have the, you can have a 25 year old combine, which you and I know people who have those, or you can have a brand new combine. You're still in a field, you're still combining, you're still working and you're worried about, did we get enough rain in June? Did we get too much rain in August? Can we get this done before the next summer thunderstorm? Because we have dodged hail the entire summer, and this one looks bad. Mm-hmm. Um, we had it happen last year. If it happens again, we don't know how we're going to make it through the next winter. So don't, I mean, I'm until you've spent any time out here scratching a living out of this land, keep your opinions to yourself. Amen to that. That was a, that was a good explanation. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, all right. Where are we going next? You're the boss. Uh, I am the boss. I got, I got a story. Uh, I don't. The media always gets me. And in in, in your hometown of Dickinson, our uh, our manager and our friend Julio Pagewich has been blasted by the New York Times. Um, I've called, been there. Yeah. So the, these people from the New York Times called because we had a concert in Dickinson. We had a parade. Yep. Fourth of July parade. And apparently, we didn't do it right from these people in New York saying that it, it was all wrong and they're just horrible, like accusing of ignorance and trying to kill people and saying that they're going to twist the stories and just make everybody look bad out here and worried about protesting even. How, how do you deal with this media and how, what do we do? Give me some advice on this. Craziness. Well, recognize 
first of all, the difference, I mean, we've done, I, 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 there's a reason I do these things. There's a reason I try and talk to local media as much as possible because, um, I mean, I've had fights with local media. I've been involved in high profile criminal cases. I've been involved in party politics. I've been involved in the state legislature, but I will tell you, I'm really, I mean, it's a lot easier to talk to local guys, but when, so when I went through this was during the Dakota Access Pipeline protest. Oh, sure. I was the chair of the Senate Judiciary Committee, and I was also the chair of the Republican Party. And I think anybody who is in North Dakota, Republican, Democrat, Eastern, Western, knows that how that entire thing was covered nationally was, I mean, I mean it was fiction. It was fiction. That Fake wasn't news. what was going on on the, on the ground and all of those things. Well, I, Great White had a concert in First on First. We had, I think, the biggest probably Fourth of July parade that I can remember ever having in Dickinson, and, and that's even with Russ, Rough Rider Days been officially canceled. Well, we still only have 34, I think, positive cases in the entire, or 24 maybe, in Stark County of COVID in a town in a county of 35, 36,000 people. That's pretty good um, numbers. Yeah, we're doing okay. Mm-hmm. And people, you know this, you come out of a long, hard winter, and I've been around, I've been at Little League games and all of those things. They should worry about their nursing home numbers in New York. They should worry about all the murders that happened in New York last week. I think they can. I think they should worry more about taking care of New York. Let's let Western North Dakota take care of Western North Dakota. Yeah, I agree with that. They don't even talk about all the babies they've let get killed out there either. Yeah. And go and, down that road. Absolutely. But, and I mean, and I'm not, I mean, COVID's a real thing. And it really is a real thing, and there's a lot of different things for it. It is not made up. It is it is more dangerous than the flu, and particularly when you have people in my family who are at that at-risk population. You know, I'm not one of those guys that won't shop at Menards because they have a mask rule. If Menards wants me to wear a mask and I need something, I'll go in there. Uh, I buy my lumber at Bush Lumber, but that's a different story. Uh, but I don't like the virtue signaling, and the New York Times may be the best news organization in the world at virtue signaling signaling of saying, Hey, if, I mean, there's a lot of this that isn't about science and it's a lot about, Hey, you have a mask. That must mean you care more. Hmm. And that is not how this works. That is not how it's supposed to go. And we'll do just fine in Western North Dakota. We don't need a New York times reporter to tell us how and what, how and where to live our life. I sure hope so. I mean, I, I worry that we're not going to make it without our guidance. Yeah. I, I don't know if we will. You know, they were so nice to us during the Dakota access pipeline protests that I'm <laughs> fairly certain that we should really care what they have to say about us. We should Good. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that next week, maybe. Um, so speaking of Dakota Access, what's going to happen there? What's new? I haven't heard for a couple days. Yeah, so obviously people know that a judge in, in Washington, D.C. ordered us to drain the pipeline. I don't think he knows what it takes to drain a pipeline that long, but that's a second story we could have for a long time. Well, a couple days ago, the district court issued a stay and said we could keep the pipeline running while a three-court panel in the D.C. Circuit Court determines whether or not we're dealing with this, and it's a huge issue. Dakota Access moves 40% of the oil out of North Dakota, obviously. Efficiently, I might add. Cheaper. Um, it's one of, we have the best rock of any shale play in the United States. There's a reason people like the Bakken. There's a reason they like the three forks. Well, the problem we have is getting it to places. Um, and so we get what is called a transportation discount. So if a barrel of oil is $40 and you take $8, $10, $12 off of that for transportation, we're competing at that price, not at WTI price. Well, two things that the Dakota access pipeline did one, it took a lot of trucks and a lot of rail cars off the roads which also, by the way, made it cheaper for farmers to ship their, uh, ship their commodities out of the state as well. And two, it lowered that discount. 
which made us more competitive. Mm -hmm. This ruling, if it is allowed to stand, will take 40% of the oil. And best case scenario, Benny, best case is rail lines are full again. Now, I will tell you, BNSF has done a good job. Remember in 12, when we had that whole bottleneck where uh, egg producers were having a hard time, egg producers were having a hard time getting their products out because of the oil trains. Mm -hmm. BNSF has built up their infrastructure as much as they can without certain bottlenecks that they can't control because they're in lawsuits as well. So we have the capacity to do it better than we did before, but it's still going to, I mean, you're still going to wait at rail lines, you know, on this one between Highway 10 and Richardson and Taylor and all of those issues are, and there are going to be more trucks, trucks on the road, but that's best case scenario. Worst case scenario is there aren't any more of those rail cars and there aren't any more of those trucks because the oil companies out here can't afford the discount at the lower price and they don't have an incentive to turn on the 7,000 wells that have been shut in already over COVID. So... We need the Dakota Access Pipeline. It's the safest way to transport oil. People forget that that pipeline corridor that they're in already had two pipelines in a transmission line. It's not like it wasn't. It didn't exist before. Mm -hmm. And I'm really disappointed that a judge sitting in Washington, D.C. In an, in an area, by the way, I spent a lot of time there. It's an area where they've never built anything. They've never grown anything. They've never got dirt under their fingernails a day in their life. Yeah. And that's the judge who is determining the future of the entire state of North Dakota. So what's going to happen? In your professional opinion, what, well, what do you think is going to happen? I, I think when – so this works two ways. There's a deficiency of the permit, and I don't think the permit was deficient at all. But even for the sake of argument, let's say it was. And then the second prong of that test is the economic disruption to the affected area, which in our case would be the entire state of North Dakota. The state of North Dakota has filed really good information on this appeal. We go up to a three-judge panel. The problem with three-judge panel is it's a luck of the draw who's on it. But I think eventually I just have enough faith in the system for them to recognize that this is absolutely vital and essential to the to North Dakota. And whenever they get through all their litigated required environmental impact study, they're going to allow the pipeline. So they might as well let it run now. Mm -hmm. um, I'm hopeful that's the case. Otherwise, we're going to see a very different economy in the entire state over the next couple of years. Well, there's green new deals and stuff in place too. So, the, well, any, and you had brought that change. up earlier, and we're talking. And I, I, I don't like to make everything partisan, but Joe Biden is the going to be the Democratic nominee for president, and he picked the one person he picked to run his or to write his environmental policy. Representative Ocasio Cortez is the only one I know of openly campaigning against production agriculture in the entire U.S. House of Representatives. Hmm. That should terrify everyone. We know she hates oil. We know she hates coal. We know she hates natural gas. I didn't we, know she didn't like to but, eat either, but, though. Yeah, well, but I she... I don't know if I mean, she knows that. Yeah, well, I, I mean, we aren't going to feed the world on rooftop gardens from the Bronx. Right. And we know that, and anybody with any common sense knows that. But it should be concerning that somebody who people treat as reasonable, and I think Joe Biden's had, I mean, I don't think he's as moderate as people think, but I think, I mean, I mean he's had a long I mean, significant career in the U.S. Senate. I don't argue that. But I don't know how you pick her to write your environmental policy and then think people like me can get on board with anything you're promoting, because I can't. Because she's popular with young people? Yeah, protect your base. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, you know, they it's, did at least come up. I can't think of any other yeah, reasons it's, for Yeah, I mean, but even reasonable Democrats right now are scared of four Twitter accounts, and it's a very interesting world we live in. Yeah. It is It is crazy times. Crazy times. Wowzers. Um... Real quick, give me an update on Measure 3. All right. Measure 3 got 36,000 signatures, and they got the signatures by walking around and telling everybody to make it easier for our military to vote. 
Uh, again, state party chairman for three years, been involved in politics for a long time. I have never had one complaint from a military person in North Dakota. We're proud of the National Guard. We're proud of our Air Force bases. We are pretty pro-military in this state. And I have never heard anybody say it's, hard, it's too hard to vote. Because it's not. Because we have 46 days where you can submit your absentee ballot just like it is for everywhere else. But you can request your ballot anytime during the year. Um, so it's a made-up reason why they're actually targeting it. But uh, it has uh, redistricting taken away from the legislature and given to the Ethics Commission. And it has what's called ranked choice voting for elections. Which means you have... it's. It, it's jungle primaries. It's bringing California election law to North Dakota. Mm. Now, North Dakota has the easiest ballot access of any state in the country. We have the e easiest voter access of any state in the country. We're the only state without voter registration. You need to live here for 30 days with an address or a valid ID, and you can vote. So one has to ask why out-of-state special interests are spending millions and millions of dollars in North Dakota to change the way we vote. I think it would be easy to argue it's because they don't like how who we elect right now. Mm -hmm. This is really, really dangerous. This is run by out-of-state activist organizations. They are doing it all across the country, primarily in rural conservative states states. And the reason they are is it's cheaper to change the US, North Dakota state constitution than it is to run a commercial for a weekend in San Francisco. Wow. The best thing I can tell everybody is vote no on measure three and let North Dakotans decide how we elect people in North Dakota. It is really that simple. Uh, this is not a pro-military thing. That is, a, that is a wolf in sheep's clothing. It is absolutely, there's five different things in this ballot measure, and you are going to get bombarded with people telling you why it's so important to the military. But I can honestly tell you, I have never talked to one. And you know how I know it's not an issue? Because if it was, I would have tried to fix it. Mm -hmm. And it has just has simply never brought up in North Dakota. They're lying. They, they're using a ton of out-of-state money. They're hiring people to get signatures. They're lying to them about what they're signing on to. So one has to ask yourself why they're doing all of that. That's just their... That's just their excuse. Yeah, and it's it's bad for North Dakota. I think it's the most dangerous thing that's been on the ballot in my entire adult life. Reminds me of a Measure 5 a few years ago that was brought up by a certain candidate for governor this year. Measure 5 was to make it, a, I believe, it was an animal rights bill. Yeah. And it was totally, totally pushed by out-of-state yeah. radical special interest groups. By the way, a lot of these special interest groups give the same money to those same special interest groups. Okay, I okay. Mean, they are bringing that kind of mentality. It's an anti-business. It's an anti-agriculture yeah. coalition. Yeah. They want to fundamentally change the way we do things. In yeah, North it's Dakota. not, you know, that particular bill wasn't horrible. It's basically, um, I mean, as livestock producers, we all take care of our animals. Well, not all of us. There are some bad apples that need accountability in these groups. I appreciate them because they they do um, keep the bad guys accountable because there is people that abuse their animals and they need to be punished and they need to stop doing it. But that that measure, which wasn't horrible, but it was only, and it was so apparent, it was only to get their foot in the door for further, for shutting down rodeo. Because there's legislation on the books in California and New York all over to ban rodeo totally, to ban livestock production, to ban dairies. And these little things are just their way. I don't know if you agree or not. It's just their way of starting. So next year it's going to be twice as much. Yeah, and you don't have to look very far. I think in California, in order to, in order to have a chicken that lays an egg, it needs its own acre of land and it has to have its own downfilled pillow. And you have to like sing it a lullaby, give, get, brush its beak every morning, yep. and I mean make sure it's warm in the winter and all of that. And you're exactly right. But here's a, and there's another problem about this which we systemically have to deal with that's outside of politics. We're going to see more and more of this if we don't start getting more 
large animal veterinarians instead of small animal veterinarians. And uh, how we deal with livestock, how we deal with production agriculture is very different than how you deal with your cat or your dog at home. Mm-hmm. And we that's part of society that we need to start dealing with. And you can even see it in states like North Dakota when you're dealing with vets and doing inspections. You're right. There are people who do bad things, but there are also people who, I mean, winters, winters in North Dakota are hard for everybody. Sometimes yep. they're hard on a cow, too. And the difference in that is somebody who actually understands what they're looking at and somebody who's used to looking at poodles and cats versus yes. horses and dogs or horses and cows and how we do things. So yeah. we've got a lot. We always have to be vigilant on all of that stuff, both on state constitutions and at a national level. And the first thing I always tell my people when it does come to these things, and I don't know, I think this will apply to Measure 3 as well, is we have to be doing our own job right before we can... Yeah, Stand. and I just generally don't like out-of-state groups. I mean, I, I'm not a huge fan of measures. I believe in, I, I mean, I just do. I believe in representative democracy. I mean, our, founder, our, our founders were very skeptical of direct democracy, mm-hmm. but California, 70% of their budget is accounted for before the legislature ever meets because they've spent so many different, so much different money on, on, on different ballot measures that they have just hoarded off 70%. That was the Outdoor Heritage Fund, right? They were going to take 10% off for everything right off the top. Well, I don't mind. I hunt. I fish. I mean, I love the outdoors. Mm -hmm. But I think you have to factor those things in right now when we're going to have a really tough budget cycle over the next couple of years. I mean, I'd rather my kid's school was funded than $100 million went to the Outdoor Heritage Fund. I just would. Right. Yeah. We're still going to be able to hunt whether or not we have that. Yeah. But why don't we let North Dakotans decide how we elect people in North Dakota and not not have an outside AstroTurf agency uh, organization come in here and try and tell us how to live our lives? It ain't rocket science. Vote no on Measure 3. Yes. Roger that. No on Measure 3, Gus. Spread the word. Um, got some some of my buddies, some people asking some questions uh, about law enforcement. Are we going to see anything in North Dakota? Any changes other than maybe some a few improvements? So... Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, we'll see different, I, I mean, things going on. I think everybody can agree with more training is not a bad thing. De-escalation training doesn't matter all that, or is a good thing. I mean, we have a lot, we ask our law enforcement, we ask our teachers to do too much. We ask them to be addiction counselors. We actually ask, ask them to be mental health professionals. Sure. We do all of those different things. Uh, we, I mean, criminal justice reform has been a passion of mine my whole life. My grandmother was the head of North Dakota Mental Health for 20 years. I was a criminal defense attorney for 10 years. These are things I care about. Uh, the problem at the federal level is this. Two million out of the 2.3 million people incarcerated in the country are incarcerated in state and local jails and prisons. Well, in their quest to change how they do law enforcement in downtown Minneapolis, how does that affect Watford City, North Dakota? Or how does that affect Kildare, North Dakota? Because I can tell you how it'll affect it. It'll make it much more expensive and harder to do the job well. So there are always things we can do better. We need to recognize. I don't like the word institutional racism. I don't think institutions can be racist. But I think we should recognize, and I know this for a fact, that there are certain a lot of places in the law and in the criminal justice system where racial disparity exists. Uh, we obviously don't have a huge African-American population in North Dakota, but we do have a large Native American population. And I have worked, uh, I have worked both in the politics and in the court system on the, on the reservations, you know, Spirit Lake next to Grand Forks where I used to practice law. And there are things we need to do better. But it all starts essentially with better economic outputs, better services for addiction, those types of things. But I think, I mean, it is important that we recognize some of those things exist, but I don't think, I don't want the federal government telling us how to do law enforcement here. 
because it's not a one size fits all. It's the all. same thing we were talking about regulating big business versus small business. When yeah. the federal government lo- right, regulates towards big cities, it really hurts small communities. And we can't have that. We have some of the bravest, toughest cops in the history of the world. And any policy we pass has to work at 2.30 on the side of the road when you're measuring backup in hours, not minutes. Mm-hmm. I mean, our highway patrolmen, our sheriffs, our deputies, they're not, they don't have 18 people ready to respond when they have a real big crisis. And I don't know another profession where every time you get out of the car, an unbelievably dangerous situation can occur no matter how, how boring and benign it seems like it starts. Right. So we should recognize those things. We should hold people accountable. But we should also try and do better and deliver justice better and more efficiently. than and We should always strive for that. Well said. Well said. I, I have trouble judging these guys when I've never been in a bad part of town with a bunch of guns pointed at me, and I'm just worried about my life. I mean, there's no amount of legislation or regulation that's going to change how I react when I got bad guys trying to kill me. Well, and that's exactly right. What we can't do is pass legislation that keeps cops in the car. We need them to get out. We need them to protect and serve our, our, right. our, our, protect and serve our, uh, our communities. But there are things. I mean, more transparency is good. Incentivizing more body cameras, um, you know, recording interviews, those types of things are all really good. I mean, the, the more transparency you can show in those processes, the better. And then look at some things that we know, even if they're not racist, they have racial disparate impacts, and we can look at some of those things and figure out how we work on them. You know, one area that I've always been a big advocate on is minimum mandatory sentencing. Minimum mandatory in sentencing was designed to take away really broad discretion from judges. But what we found over the course of minimum mandatory sentencing is that we've taken that away from judges and we've given it to prosecutors. And I know I, prosecutors are, I mean, I know a lot of prosecutors. They're great guys. They're, I mean, and men and women doing a really tough job too. But we can show in a lot of different areas in different ways that, it, I mean, there are some problems with that and who they choose and how they choose to uh, uh, prosecute a case with a minimum mandatory sentence. So there's ways to look at this. There's ways to do this. And you can do it smart. You can make it, make it more fair, more equal. And the best thing is you'll keep communities safer and you'll save your taxpayers a little bit of money. How is that a bad deal? That sounds good to me. Yeah. Huh, interesting. Good luck with that, by the yeah. way. Well, I worked I worked really hard on it in North Dakota, yeah. and we got some what I would think good legislation passed. Okay. Um, I mean, I don't think anybody would say it's been more dangerous because of it. Um, there are things you can do, but you need to work for it. And again, all of these policies have to be based on one simple thing. It has to work at 2 a.m. on the side of the road. When a, co- when, a, when a cop just doing their job is getting out, because at the end of the day, my number one concern is sending that man or that woman back home to his family. Right. And if we aren't looking at legislation in that lens, then we are doing it wrong. Hmm. It's a tough job. It's a tough job, but uh, good insight there. Thank yeah. you. I, uh, I don't think I got any other questions on that stuff. Um, one last thing. Ah, what top three, what's, what's the top things you're working on? What's your top priorities? What's the most important things on Kelly Armstrong's desk right now? Well, so, um, a little bit of this as you were talking, you know, a lot of it's what you do in your committees. I serve on my committees. I work on my committees. So I dealt with impeachment. Then we dealt with criminal justice reform. We deal with all that. I'm always working towards getting states more power over permitting, over regulating, whether it's federal lands, whether it's, you know, state inspectors for meat. We continue to do that on the permitting process right now, how we deal with transmitting energy and those things across the country is uh, really a big deal, not just because of the DAPL, but because of the Keystone XL and because of, I think the environmental left has figured out targeting transportation is how they can slow this industry down and slow our way of life down. So that's always what I'm working on. And then, you know, we're in campaign season. So between now and November, 
we're not going to do a lot of legislating. We just don't. We, under normal circumstances, we don't. And under COVID, we're really not going to. So what am I doing? I'm going to spend all August going on the road and talking to North Dakotans because I haven't got to do that much over the last couple months. And uh, I've had I've got to spend a lot of time with my wife and my kids, which has been awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, we've lived busy lives our whole lives. And we've actually, and in some ways, this is the most time we've ever spent together. Mm-hmm. But I also know why a coyote chews his leg off to get out of a trap. <laughs> so I'm ready to get on the road. I'm ready to go meet with North Dakotans. I was in Fargo yesterday, met with their chamber, uh, saw a grand opening of an event in West Fargo. And we're going to get out and see what people in North Dakota care about and what they want to see happen, um, both at the state level and at the congressional level. And so I'm going to go out and do uh, talk and listen to as many of the North Dakota constituents as I can. A man on the move. That is freaking awesome. Well, yeah. man. You'll like this because you're an old, uh, I'm Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, Robert uh, Robert Redford, Paul Newman. Yep. There's a scene in there where uh, Robert Redford is trying to shoot a can on the ground and he can't hit it mm-hmm. and they're making fun of him and then he like does his whole quick draw and kills it and he's like, I'm better when I'm moving. Yeah, yeah. And that's how I feel when I'm doing this stuff in North Dakota. I'm better when I'm going from North Dakota, from Grand Forks to Fargo to Bismarck to Dickinson to Williston to Watford to Grafton to Tioga. I just like, I, I, lo- I love representing North Dakota and D.C., but my favorite part is burning my highway miles here and going from place to place. Huh. Well, uh, that is, that's awesome. And that's why another reason why you're good at your job. Well, Kelly, I think uh, I think we can call it a day. Absolutely, this was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. We'll I, we'll have to do it again. I would say we could make it some semi regular, but your listener, you keep putting politicians on, and your listener, your viewership will go down <laughs> day in and day out. So it's really cool. It's a lot of fun. I want to tell one story about Benny to who everybody who's listening. Um, I am a huge Christmas music fan. I am a huge Christmas fan. Uh, I, I, am not a huge all holidays fan, but I absolutely love Christmas and the little drummer boy is my favorite Christmas song. I have different versions, Pentonics, Neil Diamond, Johnny Cash. They're all good. So I put a question on Facebook one time during Christmas, just on my personal account of what was the best version of the little drummer boy. And I don't know, 40 minutes later, I get a video message back on my feed from Benny playing the little drummer boy on a guitar. And so if you ask my 10 year old son that question, Anytime, anywhere, he will say Benny Paulson has the best version of the Little Drummer Boy. But it's just a cool way of how we interact and how we know people in North Dakota and how that, I mean, that wasn't as simple as saying something. He had to go get a guitar, sit down and play it, take a video of it and send it to us. And I just, it was just a really cool moment over Christmas season when everything's kind of cool to begin with. And I'll just never forget that. Well, thank you very much. I, uh, I appreciate that. That, uh, the honor is mine. And, um, yeah, you know, I think we need to do this more often because it's important. You know, there's some of my listeners that might not listen to Scott Hannon or might not hear you on the Absolutely. radio otherwise. And we all need to be informed. And that's that's why that's why I want you here. I want people to know what you're doing for us, what you're doing for the world. And uh, it, it's important. So I appreciate it. I appreciate everything you do. And good luck out there, my man. Thanks for having me. And it is such an honor to have the great Kelly Armstrong on the program. Thank you so much. It's been one heck of a week, one heck of a month actually. Uh if you're if you're listening in the third weekend in Ju- third week in July. I also got a chance to join Kevin Holton with the Special Cowboy Moments and Wild Rides crew and we got an episode of Special Cowboy Moments and Wild Rides featuring Christy Noam, Governor Christy Noam of South Dakota, uh one of the most controversial and great governors in the world right now. Just an amazing gal. Tune in to them programs to get the story. She's a cowgirl. She's a rancher. She's had quite the life doing a great job. 
So uh, lots of political political uh, honors I've got to have, and so blessed. Thank you so much for that. That's going to wrap it up. That's going to take care of another round of Rodeo Rock Radio. Tune in next week and uh, see what we're going to be doing. Till then, you know, this uh, fitting song, Nobody Wins in This War, by my buddy Mitch Malloy, rock and roll, taking us out. Sometimes it feels like nobody wins when it comes to politics, but it's great to have people like Kelly Armstrong and Christy Noem and, and all, the, all the good ones in a, in, a, in a business where not everybody's good. We appreciate all you guys do, and I appreciate you. And I hope everybody stays safe, stays classy, stays informed, stays strong, and stay cool. Take her easy. We'll catch you later.